Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everybody. Man, that was powerful worship this morning. I want to remind you again, I know that I probably do this every six months or so, but um, everyone that you see up here and everyone that you don't see but that's back there that's making all this happen are all volunteers. And they volunteer their time. They put in hours uh, every week. They do it obviously to serve the Lord, but they want to serve you as their church family as well. And so we are so lucky to have those people. If you have a Bible this morning, turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. So, man, as I look out across the room this morning, all I see are faces that are loving life because everything is going your way. I mean, when you drive your car, you catch every green light. Your children are all making godly decisions uh, all the time. Um, Everyone that you love is in excellent health. And every financial decision that you make is turning to gold. Or, or maybe I'm misjudging the room a little. What's probably a little more realistic is there are a good number of you this morning who would say, that's not me at all. As a matter of fact, Paul, I'm dealing with some pretty heavy discouragement right now. Maybe you've lost a job or your kids have gotten into some trouble or you've broken up with someone or your marriage is struggling. You can't pay your bills. The ministry that you're involved in maybe isn't as fruitful as you thought it was going to be. You're unfulfilled in your job, disconnected from your spouse, or maybe you're having some health issues or maybe someone close to you has recently died. There are a lot of things that can bring discouragement into our lives, and I want to just lob a truth bomb right on top of you this morning, and it's this. We have no control over the circumstances of our lives, but we have total control over how we respond to those circumstances. And how we respond to discouraging circumstances determines whether we live fully or live foolishly. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that I've come to give life and that you can have it to the full. And that we talk about that all the time, that Jesus came first for us to find life in him, but then to live it fully. But how we respond to discouragement determines whether we live fully or live foolishly. Here in John chapter 21, Peter, the disciple of Christ, is dealing with some difficult circumstances. He's been following Jesus because he thought that Jesus was going to be that Messiah that was going to come and free them from under Roman rule. But then, that Jesus did not lead them out from under Roman rule. As a matter of fact, the Romans crucified him on a cross. But then Jesus rises from the dead. And he appears to the disciples on a few different occasions. And on one of these occasions, Jesus told Peter and the disciples to go up to Galilee, up into the northern part of Israel, and to wait for him, and that he would meet them there. So that's what they do. Now think about this just for a second. I'm kind of giving you an insight into Peter before we actually read the passages. But I want you to understand, Peter is discouraged where we're going to read today. But think about this. Jesus is risen, and Peter's still discouraged. That might be a little hard, you know, when we just think about it for a moment. That might be hard for us to process. But here's the thing. 
just because you face discouragement doesn't mean that you don't believe that Jesus is risen, that God's on the throne and all that. But sometimes things happen that allow discouragement to set in. And so he's discouraged, Peter is, for the same reason that many of us get discouraged. You see, the number one reason for discouragement is unmet expectations. So even though Jesus has risen from the dead, Jesus didn't do what Peter thought he was going to do. Jesus didn't free Israel from the Romans. Instead, they crucified him. And to make things worse, when Peter and the disciples went north into Galilee, like Jesus told them to do, and he said, I'll meet you there, he hasn't showed up yet where we're about to read. So he's discouraged. Peter responds to these circumstances in the same way that we do when God doesn't do what we want him to do or do things the way we want him to do them or do things when we want him to do them. When we experience unmet expectations, we get discouraged. But here's what I want you to understand. Discouragement isn't the end of the story. Discouragement isn't an end in itself. As a matter of fact, it's often the beginning of a new story, and it's usually a bad story. You see, discouragement can be the beginning of a downward spiral in the life of every Christ follower, if we're not careful. So today I want to share with you three negative aspects, three negative effects of discouragement. See, discouragement affected Peter in these three ways, and they do us as well. The first is this. Discouragement negatively influences our decisions. So in John chapter 21, look with me in verse 1. Now again, I want to bring you up to speed. As a matter of fact, if you're, if you're looking at a, a, a paper Bible, and maybe even on your electric device, so chapter 20, the first heading is the resurrection. So Jesus has, has now risen from the grave. Then below that, my... Uh, Subtitle there is Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. And then later it says Jesus appears to his disciples. So what we're getting to is, is Jesus has risen. He has appeared to the disciples, told them to go to Galilee, and I'll meet you there. And now we're in Galilee. Chapter 21, verse 1. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. So... We know that of the 12, Judas is no more. There's 11 left. We have seven of them here uh, in in what's about to happen. And then verse 3 says, And Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And I just want to stop there. With all that has happened in Peter's discouragement, it negatively affects his decisions because his first decision is, I'm going fishing. Now, some of you are like, no, 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 that's what I do for relaxation. That's my hobby. I mean, it's all good when you're going fishing. But, but it's, this is significant with Peter because fishing was what Peter did before his relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, since Jesus didn't meet Peter's expectations, since Jesus didn't do what Peter wanted him to do, and because Peter is tired of waiting for Jesus to meet them in Galilee discouragement sets in and it leads Peter to make a decision that we often make when we get discouraged. Let me paraphrase it this way. I'm going back to my old life. That's what Peter said. Peter wasn't just going to, you know, wet a lure. What Peter was saying is, is, you know what? 
this has not panned out the way I thought it was going to pan out. And Jesus said he's going to meet us, and he hasn't. And I am discouraged. And you know what, guys? I'm just going to go back to my old life. You see, we've got to keep discouragement in check because if we don't, we can easily find ourselves doing exactly what Peter did and making the decision to go back to our old life, the one that we had before we came into relationship with Jesus. Now, let me just drop a word here. For everyone that's either married or maybe you will soon be married, it's just simply this. Whoever it is that is your spouse or soon to be your spouse, make it a goal of yours to be a constant encourager of theirs. Build them up. Strengthen them. Because if you don't, and if discouragement sets in and takes hold in their life, they may not only go back to their life before Christ, they may go back to their old life before you. So we need to encourage and strengthen and build up those that we love. Not only does discouragement negatively affect our decisions, but number two, discouragement negatively influences our relationships. So Peter's expectations are unmet. Discouragement sets in. And as a result, he makes bad decisions to go back to his old life before Jesus. And when he does, what happens in his relationships? What happens to those around him? We'll look again at verse 3. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too. They all said. See, the negative effect of Peter's discouragement immediately rubbed off on the other disciples. Because Peter said, I'm going back to my old life. And they said, you know what? We will too. Let me give you a practical example of how this works. And I'll just use marriage as an example here. So, so married men, if your wife's best friend, if she's having marriage problems, and so your wife goes over to kind of encourage her and, and let her kind of talk about her marriage problems, and your, your wife's best friend that's going through these marriage problems, if she tells your wife that her husband is neglecting her, and all he does is sit around and watch sports on TV all the time, when your wife comes home, you know what you probably shouldn't be doing? Right? Why? Because that discouragement rubs off on those around us. Or maybe you work with someone and they're discouraged with your boss and, and they start talking to you about the unfair things that their boss does. What will happen is, is you will begin to start to look at your boss and your job differently. Because discouragement in a person negatively influences the people around them. So what does discouragement do? It influences our decisions. It influences our relationships. And thirdly, discouragement negatively influences our perceptions. So Peter's expectations are unmet. He gets discouraged. He makes the bad decision to go back to his old life before Jesus. And when he does, it influences the other disciples, his relationships, to go back to their old life too. They all feel like Jesus has let them down. He did not do what they expected him to do. They're feeling alone, disillusioned, abandoned. But how they felt, their perception 
was not reality. Look at verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? And I'll finish the rest of that in a moment. So here's the thing. The disciples thought they were alone. They thought they were abandoned. They thought that Jesus wasn't showing up and hadn't shown up. That was their perception. And it was completely wrong. Because Jesus was there the whole time. But it was their discouragement that kept them from recognizing his presence. So let let me ask you. Are you struggling? Are you empty? Sometimes people describe it just as, I'm just numb. Are you finding that you have passion for no one or nothing? And you're probably wondering, where is God? And why is he allowing all this to happen to me? And the answer is this. He's right there, right where he's always been. But your discouragement blinds you to his presence. God loves you. He has not abandoned you. And he wants you to get out of this downward spiral. The question then is, is how do I do it? I mean, I don't want to be here. How do I get out of this this horrible feeling that I'm in? Well, the Bible shows us how. By how Jesus dealt with Peter. So look again at verse 5. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? And they replied, no. So they've gone back to their old life before Jesus. But you know what? They haven't found any fulfillment there. They fished all night. That's what verse 3 tells us. They fished at night. And they've caught nothing. I've been fortunate enough to be on the Sea of Galilee twice in my life. And I learned something about the fishing process there. The time to fish for these commercial fishermen was nighttime. And so that's what the disciples had just been doing. And when they would fish, what they would do is, I know that we, we probably get in our mind, I know I've always had this until I learned this, that when they were out in a boat fishing and all that, that they'd go out to the middle of the Sea of Galilee, throw out their nets and catch fish. That's not at all what they would do. Those men knew the Sea of Galilee very well. And so they would go to a place, and I'm going to just kind of use the platform here as an example. And they would park their boat right where it would take a deep dive, where the, the, the land underneath would really begin to sink. So it would be very deep here, and then very shallow here. And they would take their nets and they would throw them on the shallow side. Because that's where the fish were. You didn't catch fish on the deep side. You caught them on the shallow side. And that's what they'd been doing all night. Throwing their nets in the shallow on the left side of the boat at night. Because that's what experience says that you did. That's how you, that's how you caught fish. But now look at when Jesus tells Peter and the disciples to fish, when and where he says to do it. Verse, look at verse 4. It says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. So night has passed. We're now into morning. And then look at verse 6. After they said no, then Jesus said, throw your net out on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they've been fishing on the left side all night. That's what experience says to do. 
But Jesus says, no. It's daytime, I know. But now I want you to throw it out on the, on the right side. Throw it out on the, on the deep side. Why is this significant? Because Jesus is teaching them a lesson. And he's teaching us a lesson as well about how to defeat discouragement. You see, they're discouraged. Why? Because Jesus didn't meet their expectations. He didn't do what they wanted him to do. He didn't do it how they wanted him to do it. And they do it. he didn't do it when they wanted him to do it. So they've gone back to their old lives. They found zero fulfillment or success in their fishing. So based on their experience and their expectations, they knew that if they fished at night and on the shallow side of the boat, that they would be successful and they would find that fulfillment. But by telling them to fish in the day and in the deep, Jesus is telling them, forget about your expectations, forget about your experiences, just trust me. And the same applies to us today. Are you discouraged? Are you feeling empty? Do you feel like you're just going through the motions? Have you allowed your discouragement to cause you to revert back to your old life before Jesus? Have you allowed discouragement to take you back to your old thoughts, your old habits, your old sin? See, those things may have made you happy before Jesus, but they'll never make you happy after Jesus. They just make you sink deeper in that downward spiral of discouragement. How do we defeat discouragement? Same lesson that Jesus was teaching Peter. Forgetting our expectations. Forgetting our experiences. And instead, just trust God. See, one of the things I think that's really super practical for us is this. It's that third point. It negatively influences our perception about Jesus and is he even around? Does he care? You see, when we forget about our expectations and our experiences and we just trust God, what we begin to do is we begin to just watch for Jesus in the little things. Watch for God's presence in the little things and acknowledge those things. If you're struggling in the downward spiral of discouragement, the way you get out is trust God and watch for him in the little things. A life lived in our expectations and our experiences is a life lived foolishly. But a life that exhibits an unwavering trust in God is a life lived fully. I'm here again this morning to just challenge all of us to live fully for Jesus Christ. Yes, we live in a fallen world and we, we reside in a fallen flesh. And we're always going to face struggles and difficulties and trials and temptations. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. Discouragement is a cancer. It doesn't stay the same. You see, when you're discouraged, you never hit bottom. It just keeps getting worse. You just keep sinking. And every day that we don't deal with our discouragement is it gets one day worse. Unmet expectations that then 
lead to discouragement, can ruin our lives. So we've got to decide. Am I just going to keep doing what I've been doing and live foolishly? Or am I going to get out of this downward spiral and just trust God? I'm going to ignore the things that I'm experiencing. I'm going to ignore my expectations of what... Let me say this. What, what often happens is we have these expectations of how life should go for us. And if it doesn't go the way that we think we deserve for it to go for us, we get discouraged. I can't speak for you. I'll only speak for me. And I know I've said it before. I don't want God to give me what I deserve. I don't want God to treat me in the way that I deserve to be treated by him. I beg and I treasure not only God's grace, but his mercy. God's mercy means that he doesn't treat me the way I deserve to be treated. And I don't know about you, but man, I thank God. I thank God for his mercy. We need to be more realistic about how we deserve to be treated. Because the truth is, we don't deserve any good thing. But every good thing we get... The Bible says, comes from above, from the Father of lights. God loves you. He desires for you to live fully. God doesn't want you to struggle in this downward spiral. So let's forget our experiences. Let's forget our expectations of how this should work out. And let's just trust God and live fully for him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? I know there are people here today and you're discouraged. You're really, really discouraged. Maybe you're even, you know, I mean, we're going to be across the board in where we are in our discouragement. Some of you, I mean, it's, there's a little bit, but some of you, you're at the end of your rope in discouragement. I just want you to know this morning, God loves you. He is present even if you don't see him. Because discouragement affects our perception of his presence. But just like Peter and the disciples, Jesus was there. And Jesus is here with you. And he's here for the very express purpose to help you live fully. But here's the thing. You have to want to get out of it. Sometimes we're content to wallow in our discouragement. Because we think it'll just be this level, but it just gets worse and worse every day. We need to deal with discouragement by trusting God. God has a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. It is not his desire for you to struggle in discouragement, but he will use it your good and for his glory but we have to desire for God to use it in that way 
Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone here this morning. Lord, I know that there are some that they are at the end of their rope and discouragement today. And I pray this morning, Lord, that they would hear from you. That they would hear that you love them. And that you desire for them to get out of this downward spiral. And you're simply saying to them today, trust me. Just trust me. And begin to look for me in the little things because I'm there. Father, help us to be more realistic about our expectations of this life and this world. And by so doing, maybe removing that number one cause of discouragement, those unmet expectations, help, help us to be realistic. That we are fallen people that live in a fallen world. Father, I thank you for those today that as they sit now in, in this service, maybe for the first time in a long time, they're sensing your presence again. And I pray that they would begin reaching out to you and trusting you instead of trusting their experiences and expectations. God, give us victory. Help us to get out of this path of living foolishly and back into the place of living fully for Jesus. I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Well, this last summer, uh, we did. you're like thinking, man, oh, we got some more to cover. Um, this last summer, at the, actually it was at the very beginning of summer, we had uh, one of our missionaries, Vernon Brewer from World Help, come. And he shared with us uh, on Memorial Day, actually, about the, the need for copies of the Bible in North Korea. And that, yes, if, they, if a North Korean is caught with a copy of the Scriptures, that they are going to be in, in serious trouble. It's a crime. But they so desperately, these believers so desperately desire to know God deeper that it's worth the risk to them. And they are begging for copies of the scriptures. And World Help has, has kind of some connections in, in North Korea, ways that they can, can get copies of the scriptures in. And uh, so they had a goal of, of uh, this summer raising a half a million dollars to get 50,000 copies of the scriptures into North Korea. And uh, I, I just felt like that as a church that that was something that God would have us to be a part of. And so we, we made a commitment together uh, that we would, of the 50,000 copies, that our church would put 10,000 copies of the scriptures in the hands of these North Korean believers, $100,000. And I challenge you, let's raise it by the end of the summer. Uh, I haven't verbally said anything about it. We were allowing you to kind of keep up with it in the bulletin. But we did do that. Uh, they are in the process of getting those there. But, but Vernon Brewer, the president of World Help, who was here that Sunday, wanted to say thank you. So I want you to watch this. Greetings, Paul and Pastor Rick and all of our friends and family fellowship. I can't begin to thank you for the incredible gift you've made to provide Bibles for North Korean Christians. 
It's unbelievable what you've done. As you know, right now, there are at least 70,000 Christians in North Korea that are being uh, imprisoned and tortured for their faith. And thousands and thousands of believers have never even held a Bible, let alone own one. But now, uh, thanks to your push this summer, that's going to change. And while North Korea still remains one of the most persecuted countries in all of the world, we'll be able to put that word of God into the hands of someone that desperately needs it. And if our statistics that we're told are true, they tell us that at least five people are impacted when a Bible is distributed. That means 50,000 people will be impacted because of what you've done. That's twice the population of Greenville. So on behalf of World Help and your brothers and sisters who will be rejoicing soon, I want to say thank you. Our goal was to print and distribute 100,000 copies of God's Word, and you have helped us reach that goal. So once again, Family Fellowship has stepped up and done something that will outlive you and last for eternity. Thank you guys for being the hands and feet of Jesus in North Korea. Let's do something before Danny comes and I turn over to him. Let's just take a minute and have a word of prayer that that God will put those copies of the scriptures in the hands of people, the right people, um, that they will be able to be used and impact that nation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for allowing us to simply be um, an extension of who you are. You care for the nations. And every man, woman, boy, and girl across the world is your creation. It is your desire for them to be drawn to you. Father, we pray that in this small way, that you will not only allow us to be a part, but that you would protect these copies of the Scripture, get them in the right hands of people who will be able to go and share the gospel with their neighbors. God, we pray that you would place a hedge of protection around them as they do. You would use them and bless them that your name would be great even among the persecuted people of North Korea. We'll praise you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.